Right, we're keeping the kids in with us. I'm going to introduce our guest, Anna Rust, who is no stranger to us. She and her husband, uh, Ron, are retired. Not sure if you're retired. Seems like you're preaching more every single week. There's one in one church. There's one in another church. If Ron's not here, he's preaching at another church. So we've got Anna here, and in two weeks, we'll have Ron here. Is, will you be here in two weeks? She'll be like in a flip-flop, okay? So they're retired, but they're both ordained ministers and both great communicators. Uh, just recently finished a long run at Trinity Pentecostal Church in LaSalle, a really a sister church of ours, and a great supporting church of ours. Would you please welcome Reverend Anna Rust as she comes. You take your time, okay? I did turn, oh, there we go, got sound. I had an interesting evening last night. I'm going to tell you all about it. Uh, my daughter has had surgery, our youngest daughter, and she's staying with us. She lives in Gatineau and is staying with us during her recovery, so I took her dog out for a walk. And we came back, and the dog was exhausted, and she's little, and the first step up to our condo is very high, so she didn't want to jump it, so I picked her up. And as I did, my foot got caught in my palazzo pants and I tripped and hit the concrete uh, step in front of me and my shins are all bruised, my knee is bruised, my elbows are aching, my wrist is sore. And so I spent the night icing myself for two and a half hours. <laughs> and uh, this morning, change of wardrobe, no dress so that you can't see my scrapes and bruises. I look like a six-year-old who went outside and was skipping, you know, and then fell. And yeah. Anyway, lots of fun. And yes, my husband's not here, but he's represented. You see, I call him my tall giraffe. So he looked at me and he goes, well, I'm represented in your shirt today, so you just tell them I'm there with you. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's indeed a privilege to be here again this morning, and it's uh, always great to be be in City Point. It really is. It's an exciting place, and I want to thank you for having me, Pastor Joe. As I mentioned last time, I tend to read a lot of autobiographies and biographies, and especially enjoy reading the ones about missionaries who have gone to really difficult places and have uh, been persecuted, have suffered, thrown into prison. Just two and a half weeks ago, um, June 21st, I got an email from Open Doors Canada. Maybe some of you are familiar with them, a Christian organization that helps and prays for, uh, for victims of uh, persecution across the globe. And their latest email tells a story of a young woman, 20 years of age, named Mary, who was abducted by the Fulani extremists in Nigeria. She was sexually abused reportedly, uh, repeatedly. She was mocked for her faith and forced to cook for the captors while she was only given animal food to eat. These extremists came to a Sunday morning worship service while the Christians were worshiping Jesus. And their purpose was to destroy the Christian community in that area. The tactics of these Islamic extremists are becoming increasingly violent, brutal, and murderous in their uh, way, uh, the way they treat uh, Christians, the persecution of believers. She and two other women were abducted, and for 54 days she was held captive. And what happened over the coming weeks changed her life forever. 
But amid the fear, the pain, the humiliation she suffered, she held on to her faith. She even had the courage to share the gospel with her captors. Somehow her parents, though poor, were able to raise the ransom money for her release. And despite her freedom, Mary still suffered. She had nightmares every night regarding the horrors she experienced. And Open Doors was able to make a difference by inviting her to their trauma center, where she was able to rediscover her identity in Christ. But her story came to an abrupt end as a result of complications of surgeries that she had to have. And in her final interview with Open Doors, Mary said, I thank God for the peace he brings to my life. And I thank him for using people like you to help me. You know, Isaiah 20, uh, 40, 26, 3 and 4 say, You, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust you. So trust the Lord always because he is our rock forever. And the Lord God truly is our rock and our salvation, especially in times of difficulty. Victims, victims of unfair and unjust mistreatment. Perhaps we don't face beatings and prison terms because of our faith, but we do face situations that are unfair and perhaps unjust. What about children bullying other children? Husbands uh, mistreating their wives or vice versa? A spouse that's abandoned or abused? A child that is neglected or molested? Victims of ugly rumors or vicious slander? My question to you today is, what do you do when you are treated unfairly, when your world has been shaken by unforeseen circumstances? How do you respond when you feel like you are sitting in a prison cell? What is your attitude in that situation? What's your perspective? Well, we are going to be reading from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 24, and you can follow along with me. Uh, on the screen in just a minute. We're going to look at uh, the story of Paul and Silas who find themselves in prison. You know, the Apostle Paul knew a lot about prisons. <laughs> he not only sent men to prisons, men and women, but he um, also spent time in prison because of his faith in God. We find Paul and Silas wanting to go to Asia, but in Acts 16.6, it says that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. You see, God had a different plan for them. In a vision, Paul saw a Macedonian man who was calling him and pleading him to come to Macedonia. And so Paul and Silas responded to the call and went to Philippi in Macedonia. On the Sabbath, they went out by the river to the place of prayer and began to speak to a few women who had gathered there. These women opened their hearts to the gospel, and Paul had his first converts in Macedonia. Then Paul and Silas began to move around the city of Philippi, ministering the gospel. So verse 16 says, Once we were going to the place of prayer, where we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. 
She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the market to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Because of the disruption that this girl was causing, Paul cast a spirit out of her. His actions angered the girl's masters, and so they incited a riot, falsely accused Paul and Silas, had them beaten and thrown into prison, and their feet were, their feet were fastened in stocks. Talk about unjust, unfair treatment. There are two things in this story that are common to all of us. Number one, everyone faces prisons, prisons of circumstances, prisons of difficult uh, situations, a difficult job, sinful habits, a physical or mental bondage. And secondly, everyone faces the midnights of life. The night represents darkness, trials, and tests. And when your business fails, you lose everything. It's midnight in your life. When a loved one dies, it's midnight. When the doctor tells you you have cancer, it's midnight. So I ask this question, can you trust God in your prison of circumstances? What will you do in your midnight hour? What will your attitude be? What did Paul and Silas do? What was their attitude in this situation? Well, we find them in an inner cell. And verse 24 says, Upon receiving such orders to guard them carefully, he, the jailer, put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Here they were sitting on the bare ground in a cold dungeon, bleeding and bruised with legs placed in stocks and stretched at great lengths that produced extreme pain. Last night I was thinking of what I was going to say this morning, and I'm thinking, yeah, my legs were up. I had two big ice packs on both legs. I thought, yeah, I'm suffering, but I'm not suffering with 120 lashes, you know. They had been whipped. Whipped by the Romans meant 100 to 120 lashes, which would have left terrible marks and cuts and bruises all over their bodies. Picture the scene. Paul and Silas are in Philippi in obedience to God. They have done nothing wrong. But here they are trapped in a damp, dark cell in extreme, excruciating pain because of the whipping that they have endured. And their open wounds would probably have not been washed, and they are sitting upright in a most excruciating position. 
They are sore and they're in shock. And what are they doing? What is their attitude? Verse 25 tells us about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and other prisoners were listening to them. So what are Paul and Silas doing? They're praying and singing hymns to God. Notice they weren't complaining, they weren't murmuring, they weren't swearing, cursing. They're singing hymns to God and praying. And when are they doing it? At midnight. This tells me, number one, worship does not depend on conditions. See, they had been beaten earlier that day probably in the mid-afternoon. It's now midnight. They are not groaning and moaning. They're past that. <laughs> Rather, they are praying and praising the Lord despite their painful situation. Throughout his whole life, King David went through many difficult situations. Yet in his last song recorded in 2 Samuel 22, the song is not one that is dark and somber, but one of praise and thanksgiving. There were four themes in his songs. A, when times are tough, God is our only security. B, when our days are dark, the Lord is our only light. C, when our walk is weak, the Lord is our only strength. And D, when our future is foggy or fuzzy, the Lord is our only hope. David continued to give thanks despite his situation. And Paul and Silas, we find them doing the same thing in this prison cell. And how do you handle your midnight hour when your situation looks hopeless and bleak? After three years of marriage, my first husband announced to me while we were celebrating my 26th birthday that he was gay and he was coming out of his closet. And we split up three months later because he couldn't promise me faithfulness. He moved to Ottawa, and I came back home to live with my parents here in Montreal. That first year was very difficult. I was emotionally torn up inside because of the rejection I faced as a woman. I was broken within. And I remember that first Thanksgiving was two and a half months after I had come home. My mom was making a turkey dinner, and my sisters were excited. Their boyfriends were coming over, and I was having a little pity party in the room that was now my bedroom, my mother's sewing room, a little, a little, maybe eight by eight room. They put a single bed in a corner with a small dresser, and her sewing machine was on the opposite side. And as I looked out the window that day, my mood reflected the day. It was a cold, windy, gray day, and there were light snow flurries falling. And as I stood there at the window crying about my lot in life, I thought of Paul's words. They came to mind, and everything gave thanks. And so I slowly began to thank the Lord for my situation. You see, worship does not depend on conditions. I thanked God for the roof over my head. I thanked him for my parents who loved me and provided a place, uh, a home for me to come to. I thanked him for my sisters and their boyfriends. I thanked him for the job that I had found. 
I thanked him for the friends that I had. And as I did, something began to shift within. The burden began to lift, and the mood began to change, and I sensed victory within. And that day, God became the source of my strength. And though a victim of circumstances, I was determined to become a victor through Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas were in prison, worshiping God. Despite their pain, despite the situation, they were singing praises. They probably started off softly. Perhaps it was just a whisper. God. So good. God is so good. Do you know what? As they kept singing, their voices got louder and louder. God is so good. He's so good to me. And as they sang, others heard. The other prisoners were listening. And their voices had to become louder for them to hear. You know, there's an old chorus that we used to sing that goes like this. He gives strength to me as I worship him. And my mouth is filled with praise. As I raise my hands, Jesus breaks the bands, bringing glorious victory. And that's what they were experiencing that night. As they raised their hands in worship, Jesus was breaking the chains that was holding them there. And they were experiencing the victory within their soul. There is power in praise. When you get the focus off yourself and begin to praise him despite your circumstance, you are inviting the presence of God into your situation. The deepest level of worship to God is, continue, uh, is to continue praising him despite the pain, despite the circumstance. Paul and Silas found comfort in God as they sang. They gained strength in the situation. They sang despite their pain, and as they offered up their sacrifice of praise, the other prisoners were listening, and I believe their spirits were being touched by God. When we worship God, despite our conditions, we express our hope and faith and trust in God Almighty. So worship does not depend on conditions. Secondly, worship breaks chains. Verse 26 says, Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Paul and Silas are in an inner cell with no possibility of escaping, praying and worshiping God at the midnight hour. And God suddenly sends a violent earthquake that shakes the very foundation of the prison. Your midnight hour may seem dark with no answers in sight, but God wants you to know that no situation is hopeless. Continue seeking him. Continue worshiping him, even though you may not feel his presence, because our God is a God of intervention. God takes notice when we are praising him despite our situation. 
God's power is released through our, our worship. And he will cause mountains to be moved, cause earthquakes to take place in order to set your circumstance right. I don't know if you remember the story of how we found our daughter, uh, Stephanie, our oldest daughter, on the streets of Vancouver, something that seemed impossible. And then when we lost her again because she got away, the Lord sent the media to us. We didn't go soliciting anything. He moved the mountains so that we could find her. I want to tell you a story about a, a nine-year-old boy called Willie Myrick. And his story takes place in 2014, in April. And it's uh, recorded by USA Today. A man kidnapped this nine-year-old boy, Willie Myrick, from his southwest Atlantic driveway, Atlanta driveway. He allegedly drove the boy around for some time before dropping him off unharmed in East Point. This is what the article says. But Willie's actions during those terrifying three hours are inspiring people around the country. Willie says he sang the gospel song, Every Praise, Until the Man Let Him Go. Are you familiar with that song? Do you know it here? Yes. Every praise is to our God. Do you know that? Yes. A great song. Um, Willie recounted the moment that he was freed from the car. Willie said while he was singing, the man kept cursing and telling him to shut up before eventually kicking him out. He opened the door and threw me out, Willie said. He told me not to tell anyone. And think of the words that he was saying, that he was singing. Every praise is to our God, every word of worship with one accord. And the chorus goes, God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. This boy is claiming his faith in God that he is going to be delivered. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. It's no wonder that this guy who kidnapped him had enough because he, Willie, was inviting the presence of God into his situation. And because God came, confused this kidnapper, he let him go. That's the power of praise. We sang about that this morning. There is power in praise. <laughs> when you are feeling down, the best thing you can do for yourself is to start singing his praises. Put on those, those the gospel music cassettes, I was going to say. That's, that's so old. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's what comes to mind. You know what I mean. Put on the music, to however you use it, through Amazon or... or uh, Oh, all these other Spotify and <laughs> all right. So worship, I'm telling you, worship is a spiritual weapon against the enemy. And when you worship, the enemy becomes furious and angry because he doesn't want worship to go to God. He wants you to focus on him. He wants you to begin doubting God. He wants you to be depressed and anxious. So when you praise God, the enemy can't take it, and he leaves. Bill, Paul Bilheimer, a pastor and author, says, um, for, the same for some reason, Satan fears praise more than prayer. Satan is allergic to praise so where there is massive triumphant praise satan is paralyzed bound and banished god's presence always expels satan that is such a good quote satan is allergic to praise 
He's paralyzed, bound, and banished. Remember that the next time you sense the dark clouds coming over you, that if you want to get rid of this presence of the enemy in your life, begin to praise God and focus on his goodness towards you. And you watch how that cloud will lift and you'll begin to sense the victory within. I was single for almost 10 years. And there were times when I experienced loneliness and would go home after work and and let God know exactly how I felt, just like David did in the Psalms. But once I expressed my feelings, I would turn on my stereo, and yes, I would put in the cassettes because it was the 80s, all right? And I'd begin to worship God. And without fail, without fail, I would sense the presence of God entering my living room. And then it was almost like he would put a warm, cozy blanket round about me, and he would just let me know how much I was loved by him. And I'm telling you, the despair and the discouragement within would leave and strength returned for the journey. There is power in worship. So be encouraged in your midnight hour. Keep praising God because the enemy will flee. He's allergic to praise. If you forget everything else, just remember the enemy is allergic to praise. And secondly, God will take pleasure in your worship and he will intervene. So number one, worship does not depend on your condition. And secondly, worship breaks chains. And lastly, worship brings people to Christ. Did you notice that in verse 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. The other prisoners were listening. They didn't hear negativity. They did not hear cursing. They heard prayers and praise. And they knew these men were in pain. And yet they were finding comfort in singing to their God. I believe the spirits of these prisoners were also being lifted as they heard them sing. You need to remember that when you're in your midnight hour, people are watching you. They are watching how you respond in the midst of your midnight hour. What example are you setting before others? Because you will either influence them for Christ or against Christ. When our youngest daughter was born at 24 weeks, she spent four and a half months in the hospital. And I would go every day. And one of the nurses, primary nurses, who was with her uh, every shift that she was on, watched me. She was watching me. She said, you're different from the other parents. What, what makes you different? So I shared my faith in her and the strength that I found in, in God. And uh, she said, oh, that's interesting. I have friends who are believers, and they've been witnessing to me, and I've gone once or twice, but, you know, I'm just not sure. And by the time Tanya left the hospital, she stopped me and said, you know, I've watched you, and your example solidified my decision for Christ. People are watching. You don't know who's watching you at work or your neighborhood, but they're watching. So when the prison doors flew open and the, everybody's chains came loose, you don't find these prisoners fleeing the prison. They stayed, and I wonder why. I mean, that, I'm sure they would have been happy to get out of there. I believe they became receptive to the witness of Paul and Silas. 
But not only were the other prisoners receptive. In verse 27 to 31, we read, The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. You see, the plan now of the enemy is being reversed. The very one who was keeping Paul and Silas in prison is touched by their witness. And he comes to Christ because of their testimony. And these two men had such a great influence that even the other prisoners were uh, touched by, by their example. And so this has a ripple effect that occurs in the midnight hour. The lives of the jailer's family were touched by the witness of Paul and Silas, and the entire household comes to believe in Jesus and their Savior. In conclusion, I ask today, do you feel like you are in a prison cell? Because often we feel that way. There's no way out. We're trapped, trapped by our situation. It is mid is it midnight in your life? Are you bound by the prison of sin or negative circumstances? Is your past haunting you? Are there habits that need to be broken? Are you facing a difficult situation? God's word today is instructing you to keep praising him, to keep worshiping him, to keep focused on him and not on yourself and the situation that you find yourself in because God will come to your rescue if you will lean on him and give him praise and worship him. You are not alone in the prison cell. Others have found themselves there too. And God has walked right into their situation. Joseph, in the Bible, falsely accused, thrown into prison, yet in God's time was raised up to be the prime minister of the land of Egypt. Samson, captured by the Philistines when he gave his secret of his strength away. His eyes were gorged and he was thrown into prison. Yet Judges 16.22 says, Samson's hair began to grow again. Strength returned, and he killed more Philistines in his death than his entire life. Daniel thrown into the lion's den for praying to God. But he was elevated from that lion's den the next morning to leadership. Peter was released in the middle of the night by an angel because the fervent prayers of the saints. His life was spared, and he continued to be a dynamic witness for Christ. John, imprisoned on the island of Patmos, saw the greatest vision of all time while he was in the spirit. And then he wrote the book of Revelation. Because of his faith, Paul was in prison several times after this episode in Acts 16. He knew what it was like to feel all alone in the prison cell. Yet while in prison, he wrote these words in Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. Exactly. And I will say it again. Rejoice. 
For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, because I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You are not alone in your prison cell. God is watching and he's waiting your response. I know I felt many times like I was like Joseph, thrown into the prison and forgotten. And yet I'm telling you, time and time again, God would let me know I wasn't alone, that he was there. God wants to set you free. He wants those chains to fall. He wants that foundation to be shaken. He's waiting for your trust and faith in him, for your worship, your obedience to his word. So be reminded today, worship does not depend on conditions. Worship breaks chains. Worship brings people to Christ. Worship will invite the presence of God into your situation. Worship will release the power of God and cause the enemy to flee. So today I encourage you to begin to worship him today and you will see things change. That is what Paul and Silas did. They did not pray for their release. They did not pray for vindication. Instead, they worshiped God. And as they did, God performed the miraculous, and they were made free by their praises. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I know you have a, a song ready to go. And as they do, I just want you to stop and to think about what was mentioned today. And if, if you feel like you are caught in this prison cell of life, I'm going to I'm going to ask you, if you feel like you're caught in prison, a prison, a difficult situation with no way out, please bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask those who find themselves in that prison cell to please stand. I just want to pray over you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to stand to take that step of faith and say, yes, I find myself in a prison. I find myself in a situation that I feel there's no way out, and I need help this morning. Is there anybody in that situation? Okay. Father, we, you see the ones standing today, and there are many others who want to stand but are afraid. Lord, you see the prison cell that these folks find themselves in. And Lord, I, I just pray today, Lord, that faith will be released in their spirits, knowing that you are there in the midst of this situation. You have not left them alone. You are always there beside them. So I pray today for strength and for courage. Lord, I pray for guidance and for wisdom. Lord, I pray for faith to arise, hope to arise. And Lord, I pray for joy in their spirits as they begin to praise you and give you worship. Lord, you are our savior. You are our healer. You are our deliverer. Yes, you are. And we will keep on claiming that, that you are our rock and salvation. You are our fortress, a place where we can come and hide because your arms are wide and they reach to everyone in this world. And Lord, I know that your love is there for each and every one of us. None of us are exempt from your love. You love us all no matter where we find ourselves in life. 
So, Lord, I pray today for comfort, for healing, and for hope in these difficult situations. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Anna. You're welcome. I don't know about you, but I want to get some cassettes. <laughs> yeah. Can we just thank God? Thank you for that word this morning. We're going to wind up the service, and uh, the band's going to lead us in that song that they, they led us in at the beginning. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday. So practical. I encourage you to watch recording if you want of this message online. We've recorded it. It's on our Facebook and YouTube channels. And uh, next week we'll have a full service. The kids will be back. And uh, Bible study this week on Zoom as usual. God bless you everyone. Have a wonderful Sunday.
cause you're sovereign Praise cause you reign Praise cause you rose and defeated the grave I praise, praise cause you're faithful Praise cause you're true Praise cause there's nobody greater than you I say